Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. You might remember some time ago we talked to about a case in the UK, Carla Foster, 44 years of age. She received or she got medication following a MO consultation where she wasn't honest about how long her pregnancy was. Uh, this is in relation to a termination of pregnancy. She was brought to court, she was sent to jail, but then she was released again not long after, after there was public outrage in the UK. Um, but it kind of brings into question again, and here in Ireland we're talking about the same thing. As you know, in the abortion referendum five years ago, we voted to allow women to have an abortion, or a termination of pregnancy, which was never allowed here in Ireland. People had to travel to UK to do that. Uh, but only up to 12 weeks with a three-day cooling-off period, and only after 12 weeks in extreme circumstances, i.e. in the case of fatal fetal abnormalities or different circumstances, provided a doctor has signed it off. There is question marks, of course, over what a doctor can and can't do. And today, the Oireachtas Health Committee was told that the risk of criminalisation is having a chilling effect on doctors who provide abortions or termination services. It was also told that some doctors actively obstruct women from receiving treatment due to personal beliefs. Conscientious objection, I imagine. And the committee is today discussing a review of the Health Regulation of Termination of Pregnancy uh, 2018, which was published in April. And the report, authored by the barrister Marie O'Shea, recommends decriminalising abortion for medical professionals. It also recommends that the three-day wait period for women when they can access uh, termination be made optional. In other words, it shouldn't be there at all. Now, we have discussed this many times in the show. Should there be a criminal element to abortion or termination of pregnancy? Or should we remove it entirely? Now, there's a bit of a grey area in this removing it entirely. And I know people who voted. There was a 67% vote in favour, of course, of, you know, termination of pregnancy and allowing abortion into Irish legislation and into our constitution or repealing the Eighth Amendment, as we call it. And most people agreed, um, it seems, according to the vote, that a woman should be uh, able to access termination of pregnancy up to 12 weeks because that's what people were told was the, was going to be the legislation going forward. In the UK, it can be up to 22 weeks. But there are some people who believe there should be no criminalisation because if a doctor performs an abortion outside of that parameter, um, they can get up to 14 years in jail. And this is what they talk about, the chilling uh, period, the chilling effect. This is serious stuff, but I want to know what you think about it. But before that, I'm going to speak to someone who knows a little bit more about the subject than probably I do. Anne Ferretti is a former chief executive of the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, the UK's largest independent abortion provider. Anne ran the press office of the UK Family Planning Association before leading Birth Control Trust, a charity that advocated the need for research and development in, into methods of contraception and abortion. And she joins me on the show. Anne, good evening to you. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Now, UK are kind of more or less, well, since this particular case, they're more or less in the same position as Ireland about arguing over whether we should decriminalise. Um, maybe clarify for me, because maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but if you decriminalise um, termination of pregnancy, there's no criminal element to it. Does that mean technically, although it's probably not going to happen, that late-term abortions would be available for a woman if they wanted it? Well, what criminalize when you de- when we decriminalize, which I really, really hope will happen. What it basically says is that people will not be prosecuted under the criminal law for carrying out the procedure or receiving it. 
Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, there will not be regulations. Um, it doesn't mean that w there won't be all kinds of guidance and good practice. But what it means is that if the doctor is acting in good faith, um, that they would not be prosecuted in the way that they would be at the moment. And when I say that, let me just say that abortion is, is almost unique in being a procedure uh, which a doctor decides on but where there are very clear laws beyond the usual laws of medicine about whether it can be allowed or not. So it's kind of trying to turn mm. abortion into like a normal medical procedure. I mean, the, the laws are slightly different here in Ireland. For example, up to 12 weeks, you mm. don't need to have a reason. In the UK, you yeah, have to have, you your life has to be in danger, inverted commas. In other words, you have to have a mental health condition yeah. or be anxious or whatever it happens to be. And I'm, I'm sure they're the, the reasons that are normally given. Yeah. Whereas in Ireland, you don't have to have any of that. Up to 12 weeks, no reason. You just walk in and a doctor should be, allow you to have a termination with the three-day cooling off period. Let's talk about the three-day cooling off period first. If we go back to the criminalization again. The reason they yeah. put that in was, well, some women would suggest you don't trust women and their decisions. But the other side will suggest, well, it gives you a chance to have a little think about it, to be sure, to be sure, as we would say in Ireland. And the, the suggestion is, over the last four years since abortion has been available in Ireland, 4,000 women have gone to a doctor for the first consultation and didn't come back. So we can only assume that those 4,000 women either A, had a miscarriage, uh, B, um, maybe they changed their mind or they weren't pregnant at all. So the argument from the pro-life side is that maybe that three-day waiting period saved the lives of X amount of unborn children. Is three days really such a big deal? Well, I think three days can be a big deal for the woman, but let me put it like this. In England, where there is no cooling-off period, um, where women will um, come along to a counselling appointment and um, they have time to make their mind up after that. They have a counselling appointment, but there's no time in law that they have to wait for. About 17%, so that's almost one in five women, doesn't continue to have an abortion. It's really common for women to, after they've had a chat, and they change their minds, yeah. and they to change their minds because very often they might think, well, they have got absolutely no alternative but to end this pregnancy. And then when they get the time to talk to somebody, they find out, well, maybe I want to deal with this another way. So I think the point about it is that it doesn't need a law to set down what is the right amount of time for a woman to have to think about it. Should it be two days? Should it be four days? Should it be four hours? And, and that's presuming, by the way, and, but you're talking mm -hmm. about presuming that a woman gets the right support. But we fail miserably, and I'm not too sure if you're familiar with yeah. the Irish Health Service, the HSC, you think the NHS yeah. is bad, the HSC is a disaster. <laughs> so we fail miserably to support women when it comes to menopause, when it comes to period, when it comes to, you know, childbirth. You know, don't get me wrong, Ireland is still supposedly the safest yeah. place in the world to have a child. 
But in saying that, we do fail to support women. So I think what the three-day waiting period was, it kind of forces us to support women in some way. I don't know, maybe that's that's the whole idea of it as well. I know it was kind of put in there to plumas people, who I suppose, who don't want abortion. But in saying yeah. that, if we had a good support service where a woman sat down and said, you know, well, here's your options. Look, don't worry about the finances. The state has supports for single mums or the state has supports for your baby or, you know, we'll help you through this. Or look, if you want to go for an ad- adoption, here we go here. But we don't do that very well in this country. But if you don't do that very well, that's one thing. It's not a reason for you to bung in a three-day wait as well because the three-day wait isn't going to cause anybody to do that any better. It's just going to be a three-day wait. And what you have to remember is that if you, you know, when you're pregnant, it's it's not nothing. Um, it's got physical symptoms. Often you feel sick. You feel tired. You you're you're trying to cover up the fact if you if you're not going to have the baby you're probably going to be not wanting other people to know that you're pregnant. You don't want to be taking time off work. There's a whole number of things. And why does it need the law to lay that down? And I think it, I think it is a bit insulting to women because it sort of implies that women can't think these things through or more to the point that they haven't thought these things through. And mm-hmm. in my experience, and I was running services to provide abortions in Britain for more than 17 years. You know, women really do think about it. What we have to do is to give them the information they need about abortion and indeed for other options. And then when they've decided that an abortion is what they need, we need to make sure that they've got the safest well, they've got access to the safest procedure that the, the society can provide them with. Getting back to the, the criminalisation and that aspect of it, over 12 yeah. weeks in this country, you have to be certified by a doctor up to 22 weeks, provided that there's a fatal fetal abnormality or there is some other complication or a woman's life is in danger, etc., etc. Um, apart from that, you cannot have a termination over 12 weeks. In the UK, it's 22 yeah. weeks, I think, and up to 24, is yeah. it in extreme circumstances? 24. Okay. 24, yeah. So, So do you believe... From just in your own experience, do you believe there's any necessity for a woman to have an abortion after that period of time? Well, I tell you what the problem is with the strong cut-off time limit is that the the problem with it is is that it's not like speeding. You know how with speeding, how sometimes you can go a little bit over the speed limit and the police will turn a blind eye to it because you're only five miles over the speed limit or you get stopped and then you can have a discussion with the police about why it was that you were speeding. The problem with a 24-week time limit on abortion is that five minutes to to midnight, Mm -hmm. it's perfectly legal for you to have an abortion. At five minutes past, it's absolutely illegal. Now, the problem is, is that... Is but, we do, but we do that with many things, with driving a car, we do it with drink, we do it with sex, the age of consent. 
you know, it is, it's not, like, I know people would say it's silly that you can't drink alcohol if you're in this country, for example, if you're 17 years and 364 days old, only if you're 365 days old. Or you can't drive a car, you know, if you're 16 years and 364 days, only if it goes to 365. But that's just the law. And we have to have laws. There has to be some guideline. We have to have some laws and we have to have some kind of guidelines. But I don't really think the analogy works very well because I think if somebody was in a pub the night before their 16th birthday, probably the police might pat them on the back and tell them to go out and come back tomorrow or, you know, whatever. And you're not going to be driving a car until you've got your driving license. But the problem with an abortion is that, you know, first of all, an abortion is literally the question of whether or not you're going to have a child or you're not going to have a child. And secondly, if a woman, the number of doctors that will carry out late abortions is small. It can be difficult to get an appointment. Women sometimes only really realize that they need it late in pregnancy. Now, you imagine, and this really came out in COVID, where you're booked in to have your abortion near to the legal time limit, and your doctor's ill, or there's a train strike, or you're ill, and you can't get that procedure, then that is absolutely it. You are bringing into the world a child that you really do not believe that you can handle, and also that you have come to the decision that it's better that you do not have that child than if you do. And I think that that, that there's sort of a a bit of a feeling that if we didn't have a legal time limit, you know, there would be masses of women who would have abortions later in pregnancy. Well, there will be some. manifestly isn't the case. I know, yeah. Yeah, Okay, but there will will be some. And, And nobody, I mean, okay, we have to talk about the morality of it, okay? And we have to accept there is a percentage of the population, maybe more so here in Ireland, because, of course, Ireland is a predominantly yeah. Catholic country. Um, now, they're not all practicing Catholics. I can tell you that from them coming on the show on a regular yeah. basis, right? But there's a percentage of the population. At the moment, according to the voting public who voted in the referendum, yeah. 33% of them were completely against the idea, right? So yeah. there is a percentage that have to be respected. Uh, that voted, and that maybe there was the floating voters, I call them. The ones, the 20% in the middle who are neither nay or yay, they're kind of morally thinking about whether it's right or wrong, but they said, okay, look, if a woman is raped, fatal fetal abnormalities up to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. I'll, live, I'll live with that. That's okay. I can, I can live with that. Yeah. And I, I don't want any more than that because they believe, and, you know, that a baby is, in, in, is capable of an independent yeah. life after the age of 23 weeks, which they are. And yeah. they say, well, if there even is one or two cases of a woman a year who yeah. goes in and has an abortion at 35 weeks, they refer to it as murder. And I'm just telling you what they would yeah. say to me, the pro-life people. Oh, and, and you have to look yeah. at the morality of that and say, well, yeah, they kind of have a point. We, we, I mean, yeah. 22 weeks, surely that's time enough to make a decision. Yeah, and, and I think it's, and I think it is, it, one of the things that's really difficult is that when we think about abortion, we do tend to think about it in the abstract and, and we think about it as, as, as a kind of a thing, an idea. And what we don't think about is why it is that that particular woman has made 
that very difficult decision because when we talk about later abortions, we are talking about really difficult abortions. Uh, circumstances. We're talking about a woman deciding to end her pregnancy after she's felt fetal movement and she looks visibly pregnant. You, you tend to think, how on earth could any woman do that? And then what happens is that you, you, you think about particular stories the women tell you about why they did do that. And why do they and do that? Tell you tell, because you're familiar with it more well, so than I am. Why why would a woman have a okay. termination at 34 weeks? Well, the number of women who have terminations at 34 weeks is vanishingly small and as you say it would be in over here it would be because of a of a fetal abnormality but let's talk for a minute about 21 weeks and because that's that's pretty late. And uh, when we were doing, um, we were defending the time limit of 24 weeks in Britain, I remember we, we um, did a survey of women coming through the BPAS clinics who were having abortions between 22 and 24 weeks. And I, I put together a dossier of the reasons why these women had come so late and their circumstances. And there were things like, I remember very, very vividly one woman who um, had, her pregnancy was wanted. Um, she thought that she was happily married to a wonderful bloke. And then what she discovers really late on is that he's having an affair with her best friend mm -hmm. and he's planning to leave her. She's lost her best mate and her husband overnight. There's somebody else who, again, thought they were in a loving relationship. The police turn up on her doorstep and she finds out that the bloke that she's planning to have this child with has been molesting children. Another woman whose son... Um, was affected by Down syndrome, needed a heart operation. She didn't think that she could even think about herself and her new pregnancy until her little boy had been treated in hospital. And, and then I get all those reasons. And, handle it. And, you and, get that? No, no, I yeah. do. I, and I understand how hmm. that could play havoc with somebody's mental health. Absolutely, right? And how that could cause serious depression, yeah. anxiety, and everything else that goes along with it. But to give the counter-argument from those who don't agree, yeah. they would say, that's not the unborn child's fault. You're taking it out on an unborn that's child right. who is capable of independent life. And and the, the, it comes back to this idea that after 21 weeks or 23 weeks, actually, realistically, you know, a child yeah. or a, an unborn child is capable of independent life. So, you know, whatever about 12 weeks, even if people don't agree with the morality of abortion at 12 weeks, there's an argument there that, you know, the central nervous system has informed, you know, the brain isn't fully formed. Um, there is debates around whether pain can be felt, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. at 22 weeks or 23 weeks, we can't use that debate anymore. You know, because women feel movement at 22 and 23 weeks. You know, they know there's a baby exactly. in there. They see it on a scan. And you know what? It's not, I, by the way, I'm not pro or I'm not uh, for abortion. Yeah. I'm actually neither. I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I'm always one of these people who say, I would never judge a woman for having a termination of pregnancy because go walk a mile in my shoes, right? And, and that's yeah, the way I am, sure. right? 
it wouldn't be for me yeah. morally. It just wouldn't be for me. But I would never judge anybody else for doing it. Yeah. But but I always say, you know, when you're thinking about this, I had a woman on when we had the abortion referendum in Ireland, and she was a campaigner. Yeah. And she constantly, while speaking to me, referred to pregnancies as a clump of cells or a zygote Mm. or, you know, she was using these terms. And I thought it was quite disingenuous. But but look, she was a campaigner. That was fine. We had the conversation on the air. We had both sides on the air talking. And that same woman, about two years later, on Facebook, put up a scan of her first pregnancy. And the scan was 13 weeks old. And she said, Mm. look at my new baby. And I said, you bloody hypocrite. You spent two hours on my show telling everybody that was a zygote. (laughs) And now all of a sudden it's a baby because it's wanted. And so that's where I struggle with this. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I think that, I think that it is a struggle. I think it is really difficult. And I think that it's difficult for, for, for individual women as well, because there are women who feel that they would never have an abortion, who find themselves pregnant mm-hmm. and desperate not to have that baby. And I think one of the things that is really difficult is to balance things sometimes in our minds where when it comes to these later abortions, I accept, I absolutely accept the, you know, as the fetus grows, as the weeks go by, it gets closer to, you know, what we know as the babies that we get that are are born. But, you know, largely, can we honestly say that its moral weight is that much different? And here, I'm I'm almost going to sound like one of your anti-abortionists, because they will say there's no moral difference between an embryo at six weeks and a fetus at 24 weeks. And they'll say that's an argument against having abortion at six weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm inclined to agree with them. There is no moral difference. They are both, they are both going to be babies if that pregnancy is not interrupted. And I think somebody has to make a decision about the rightness or the wrongness. And my sense always is that the person who has the most moral right to make that decision is the woman, because she is going to be the person who is most affected by it. And I think that it's not a decision that any woman takes casually. I think she will look at herself in the mirror every day knowing what she has done, whether she's either decided to have the child, in which case it will be there with her. If she hasn't, she knows she had an abortion. And she has to weigh that up. It's on her conscience. And I just think it shouldn't be for politicians to be laying down the law on it. But politicians have to lay down laws. They have to. Because they have a duty to every member of society. They don't just have a duty to pro-choice people. They have a duty to pro-life people. They have a duty to everybody or those who are in the middle somewhere. So they they have a duty to... It's quite difficult to appease everybody, and I get that. I understand that. 
But my fear fear with the decriminalization is that it becomes yeah. a free for all. And I've already got texts coming in there. I could read some of them. Some of them are quite insul- <laughs> some of them are quite insulting, uh, but but some of them are yeah, quite logical. And saying yeah. you know that. You know, this is like the sky falling in for people who are anti-abortion because they kind of said, we told you so. We told you this had happened. As soon as you allowed it to our weeks, they'd want 22. Now they want, you know, 40, 40 weeks. I mean, so, yeah, but and I understand their point. There has to, the government have to stand in the middle somewhere. We have progression in society. We do evolve as a society as we move on in time. But with somebody has to pull the brake every now and again and say, well, hold on. You know, you can do that, but no, let's not do that. That's completely immoral. No, that's wrong. So somebody has to pull the brake. Yeah, but you see, the point is, is that where the brake is in this situation, it's basically saying when it comes to when it comes to a woman being pregnant, who gets to decide what happens in that pregnancy? Should it be doctor? Should it be the woman? Should it be a politician? Should it be you? Should it be me? And I think that there are many of us now who think that women should be trusted to make that decision. I, I with trust the women impeccably, woman, but we, we, we woman, still have to bring in laws based on morals. We we still are moral, yeah. you know, moral guardians. So we do have laws, say, for example... But let me I mean, a woman can't get sterilized under the age of 30 unless she medically needs to. A man can't get, you know, um, the the snip done under the age of 30 because doctors will say, no, we can't do that in case you change your mind. So we make a moral decision not to do those things. And and they're just things that we make moral decisions. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but let me tell you one thing. You see, there's a very interesting thing. Maybe this is the, the different way that we see people. Because I think the reason why the number of very late abortions is vanishingly small is because women don't want to have them and because doctors won't do them. In fact, the problem that we have in Britain at the moment is finding doctors who will do abortions at 20 weeks, never mind 26 weeks or 30 weeks. So what you need to have to have an abortion at 30 weeks, there needs to be a woman who is absolutely confident that in the eyes of her own conscience, she can take the weight of that moral decision. Doctors who on their conscience are prepared to take it on board. And, you know, for me, that's enough. Now, if I can just say, in Scotland, and I think this is the interesting thing about it, in Scotland, until 1990, when things changed with the way that the laws worked, there wasn't a legal time limit on abortion at all. In England, it was 28 weeks. In Scotland, there wasn't a time limit at all. Were there late abortions taking place in Scotland? Absolutely not. There are none recorded. And the reason for that is because doctors wouldn't do them. Women didn't request them. My thing is whether or not we trust women and doctors enough to be able to say, do you know what? This is a, an intensely difficult moral issue that predominantly affects the woman and the doctor who will carry out the procedure. They're the two people who are involved in it. We can all the rest of us have opinions about it. 
but they are the people who actually need to be involved. Let's trust them to do it without politicians, with all kinds of political views, and indeed people like ourselves dictating how people should react in, in, that, in that situation. And I just think it's better to trust people to make the right decisions for their families. I got to thank you very much indeed for coming on. Um, we may not agree on everything, but in saying that, does it? Never going to happen. No, but but in saying that, I I do understand the point you're making, uh, and you know, and for those who are pro-life, they have to accept that we do have legislation now. There was a referendum; the people voted, and we have to accept democracy, apart from anything else, yeah. and and we have to get it right, uh, and we have to get it right for women, and we also have to get it right for society because that's equally as important too. And I think people are concerned about decriminalisation, but the way you explained it, maybe it'll ease somebody's mind. I don't know. Maybe it won't. I'm sure they'll be, ring, they'll, be. They'll be texting in their toes in a few minutes. I'd rather not tell you the names they're calling me and you, but however. But but well, thank you very much for discussing it with me. It was very nice to have that opportunity. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.